Well, hello, we are continuing with our series about prep for your ski holiday or ski season ahead. I am, as usual, with Andy from Snow Camps Europe. I am Paul from Ski Instructor Academy. Well, Andy, yeah, we did um, a little bit of a, an intro and talked about equipment, um, about people digging it out their loft, or in your case, your car Roof box. box. <laughs> where it's been safely stored in a in a in an environment i am um, air-conditioned environment for six months you know i was really um uh, interested in actually across the summer because it was on one or two occasions i remembered the skis were in there and where <laughs> the restaurant is where we are in the summer is up a a track a very bumpy mountain road mm. and not once did them skis roll around in the roof box quality roof box <laughs> well mine have been safely stored in the um well, half of them, I think, are safely stored in my uh, basement and the rest of them are up in Brundles somewhere in the shops around the place. They're always dotted around two or three pairs here and there. Um, okay, well, we are going to discuss actually a little bit about, um, you know, this rental period as well, because you do need to decide. I mean, some of you may be coming to Birmingham, for example, to that um, show, and I know they're trying to slant a bit more back into that, Andy, where, you know, they've got the gear to sell and all that sort of stuff as well. Oh, okay. So if they go back to that old style, some of you may get attracted to, to come down to purchase gear before the season starts. Um, and it's sometimes quite, quite hard to resist, you know, you're, you're focused on the ski season and you say wow look at those gleaming new atomic revo skis with the stripes of baked bean tins on top um and you can't resist it and you buy something i mean obviously the biggest one i would be really cautious about is, is buying boots and we'll go into that in a minute um but yeah andy once again we you know we know that when people come into resorts they have that great opportunity to rent and what advice would you be giving people who are going to rent so first thing is, um, most of your rental gear now is new each season. So I would, I would seek out or I would stay away from the shop that hasn't got new rental gear because there are many more shops that do change their rental equipment every single year. So if you're coming at Christmas, you're literally skiing on a brand new pair of skis that maybe is done two or three days before you get there. Also, look for the rental shop that isn't going to just rent you a pair of skis, but they're also going to allow you to change the skis for free. Maybe you want a slightly shorter ski, a longer ski. You want to go from a piece ski to an off-piece ski. They're going to allow you to get them skis waxed as often you want. They're probably going to store those skis for you mm. overnight in their facility. And again, different resorts are different, but here in Capron, obviously, if you're skiing up on the glacier, you don't want to really carry your skis up and down every day. So if you rent from a, a shop that has also got a facility on the glacier, that's a bonus because that would then be free for you to leave your skis up there. Um, and also... Um, Another thing they allow you to do is on your last day, if you've skied on the glacier, you don't have to bring your skis down to drop them back off. You can drop them off on the glacier. So I'd be looking for a few and of them things. And there's also an option to purchase often, isn't there? Also, yeah. So you're literally, your your week of rental is um, a test as such. And if you purchase, you'll then get that week's rental off the price of the ski. Yeah. yeah, I think what we're saying is be be careful of economy rental services because they sound great because, you know, I suppose it's like saying, it maybe it's a bit different to me saying economy parking in an airport where, you know, you're 10 kilometres outside and you've got to do three buses to get there and okay, you save 200 euros, but you have to weigh it up. And, and I would say it's different in the sense of getting a crappy pair of skis, you're ruining a six-day holiday that's very important to you and the reason you're there is to ski so don't cut costs 
where you shouldn't be cutting costs. And I know it's hard to say to people, just don't have that beer at night or whatever. I think that, that's difficult for people. But I'm sorry, you know, in my opinion, is there are places to trim costs and that's not one of them, the ski. I think it's a good point. And what you'll find with, if the ski hire is hiring the same skis that are in the shop to be bought, then you're probably getting a better quality hire ski than if a shop has the, sh- the skis to be sold and none of the ones in the rental are in the sales rack because they are a cheaper made-for-rental ski. They've probably got a puppy dog core, um, sugar-coated base, and (laughs) you know what I mean? They'll be made out of fairy dust, where if you're getting a pair of, and let's use Atomic as a, a, if you're getting a pair of Atomic Redster GS that are also for sale at €999 in the shop, it's a quality ski that you're renting and yeah. a ski that you might want to buy at the end of your week's rental if you've enjoyed skiing on that ski. Yeah, absolutely. So the advantages, remember, are being able to change a ski regularly, whether it be daily, even twice a day. They, they, the shop's open to that. That's what you're looking for. If you need it serviced or you need to store it, if you're moving around from mountain to mountain, um, those sort of things don't trim on cost. And that obviously leads on to the boot because the boot you're going to get the same time as the the rental of the ski, and then that's where you want the shop to, we've already been through this on a podcast, pay attention to you, make sure you get the right boot, but allow you obviously to change your boot regularly and not end up with a pair of boots that's, you know, stinking and falling apart and whatever and look like a huge puffer boot, moon yeah. boot. And again, this goes, um, I, I like the, the analogy, buy, buy, buy cheap, buy twice. So buy rent, rent twice. Yeah. You don't want to go to that budget rental, get a boot, Go back and say, can I change my boot? And the only other boot they've got is that boot in another size. So let's say they've given you a DeBello boot. All of their boots are probably DeBello. If you go into the other um, shop, shop, they've probably got rental Atomic, Nordica, DeBello, Fisher. So they've got different shaped boots for different shaped feet. And even though on the day you got those Atomics, they felt good in the shop. Now you've skied in them. There might be a realization, I actually need a boot that's wider. So I need to go to a Fisher. I don't know if a Fisher is wider than Atomic, but yeah. par se. Um, and again, elements to try before you buy. Yep. With yep. The same with the ski. And, if you and normally, find, normally there's, there's boot drying services and, and all sorts of other add-ons as well. Yeah, again, if you're able to store your skis in their facility, then they'll also store your boots and they will store them, they will dry them, and they'll be there ready for you the next and, morning. And generally, if you've got your kit from somewhere like that, that's got high-quality boots and skis, generally, if you're also renting a helmet, it's not some scabby, like, old <laughs> helmet. I, I always think about hiring helmets like um, bowling shoes. Yeah, yeah. Because whenever you return your bowling shoes, they they're, they always feel sweaty, and the guy just gets that pink spray, goes squirt, squirt, puts them on the shelf. There's a good chance in five minutes they're back on someone else's feet. And if you get Andy's bowling boots, <laughs> you're not going to be very happy. I thought you were about to say bowling balls then. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, but again, where I would, and we have said again on previous podcasts, where we would advise you in certain situations to rent over buy, I would actually advise you to buy a helmet. Yeah, I think rather so. Rather than rent a helmet. Um, because a helmet is It fits quite into your personal. suitcase as well. Yeah, 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 yeah we're, we're on the plane. <laughs> just, just a hat um, but also the, the, what, if you've got a rental helmet on your head everybody knows you've got a rental helmet on your head if, it's, like, it's like going ice skating and having blue boots ah, yeah? right. so 
Pet, buy yourself an helmet. Yeah. So, okay. And I, I did say that from a boot point of view, if you are thinking of buying a boot, it gets complicated. And I've, I've talked to Andy before, and I think we both decided it's something that needs to be done in, in a video specifically, nothing to do with the podcast, because a podcast, I will try and explain some points, but I think most people are going to get lost if I start going on about biomechanics and anatomy in a podcast, because I can't show anything unless you're watching here on YouTube. Now, basically it's complicated because we are all different and that's the first thing that any good coach learns when they're dealing with anybody in any sport you know let's take the most primary functional sport like a weightlifting you know you're dealing with a different person in strength and conditioning now in skiing it's the same I'm dealing with people with different lengths from between two joints and it's very important that I then have to put physics into this and discuss levers and that's why I want to do that on a separate um, video but those levers are extremely important because many people nowadays suffer from very very um, tight calves they have problems with the Achilles tendon often what I see is that they are restricted their end range movement when they go into dorsiflexion is not as much as it should be now as I've mentioned before in a video I did a while back about fitting boots and talking about stuff I discussed ramp angle and a boot if you look inside your plastic boot they'll have like a, a, a big lump of plastic at the bottom like an insole and it's, it's usually plastic at the bottom and that has an angle to it, which is great because a bit like when I did demonstrations with Olympic weightlifting and I talked about how Olympic weightlifters put weights over their heads and how important ankle movement was, I explained that those boots, the boots they use in weightlifting, have a 24 millimeter lift in the heel. And that huge lift in the heel means that... Um, you are cheating the system between the ankle, knee and hip. Now ski boots also have a ramp angle and that ramp angle tends to be just the same across the board and that becomes a problem because it's assuming that Andy We're is the, the same. same as me, is yep. the same as someone else. Now if you're somebody who's super flexible in their ankles and they can, you know, put their knees right over their toes, for example, then that ramp angle will really be a problem for you and it should be ground down. And my argument with Andy, we were discussing this, was I was saying that, my opinion again, and it's, it's controversial in the sense of saying you can't get a good boot fit because most boot fitters are unaware of Anatomy 101, biomechanics and physics and therefore, they're not in a position to correctly um, assess you. And also what they don't have, in fairness to their defense, is they're not with you at any point when you ski. You know, they tend to be in a shop, mm -hmm. in a cold environment, when you're in subtailer neutral, standing, sorry, keep it simple, standing, like, centered on your boots. But they're not seeing what you look like in the apex of a turn. Yeah. They're not seeing the importance of, does this skier need to be able to stretch his leg out or does he need to keep the leg more bent what type of skiing are we talking if you're a person who does a lot of short turns then the necessity for you to have a long outside leg is less than somebody for example doing long turns and therefore the cuff angle of the boot can be straighter for somebody doing long turns and it should be more forward 
for somebody doing short, short turns or in the mm -hmm. moguls. Yeah. This is something I do need to discuss in a video to show you the, the, the stuff. Because if I start saying, look, we need to address things in the, the talus bone, we need to look at the navicular, and we need to mold the shoe to these parameters. And one of the biggest things that I find, and, you know, I've been saying for what now, four to five years, insoles in ski boots. Are they really necessary? We go back years ago in my videos and I was arguing, no, they're not really necessary because they're so aggressive, the insoles that I see these manufacturers making, and then they're even made stiffer again, often by boot fitters, that it's preventing pronation. And as soon as you prevent pronation, the calcaneus is held fixed, the heel is held fixed, you prevent yourself from making dynamic, active turns. And in fact, that's where I was saying to Andy, you know, particularly when ramp angles wrong, people will get that burning sensation or a real cramping pain under the, ball. under the balls of the mm -hmm. feet because they're stuck forward all day. They, they just can't get out of that position because the ramp angles lifting them so high up. So I'd really um, ask you to watch that SIA um, video when I start doing ski analysis and start doing more accurate equipment because that has to be a video, really. It can't be a podcast. Yeah, they, they need to see you standing. But what's your opinion, Andy, when I say to you that, and I know what your opinion was a little bit, because you did say, well, who's this applicable to, but can you get a good boot fit? Is it possible? In my own experience, other than one pair of boots many years ago, and okay, so I'll, I'll go back to this last 10 years, because I've been in ski boots every day of the winter for 10 years. The last 10 years, I have not got a boot that fits my foot, that gives me comfort. So really, my my theory is behind this, of course, and you know what I said. I said, look, a ski boot can cost between premium boot 300 to 550 euros, depending on what you're buying. But I almost feel that it needs another 200 euros added on top of that for anybody who actually wants to have their boot fitted. And when I say fitted, I mean fitted from the point of view of, you know, physics, biomechanics, from the point of view of moulding it to your, how your heel is, how your bones stick out, where your navicular sits, how your fifth metatarsal works, how are you able to plant your big toe down? It's quite complicated and it means hours of time. And unless you're capable of grinding it out yourself and blowing it out in certain places, then you're left with these gimmicky devices that vacuum it or they heat this, you know, oh, I've had my liners foam injected and I've had them massaged by whoever, <laughs> you know, it, they're just gimmicks. They're not really helping anything. So um, from my side, I say like, and, and, and I'm guilty because I'm lazy um, when it comes to, to boots because the, the other problem I have is I get lots of new boots. So I'm always getting given boots. So I never really get settled on one boot. But what I do find funny enough, I get free boots and I get a lot of them. I'm still using the same boot from three years ago because as Andy's saying, that one actually fits. Yeah. It actually feels good. And every time I put these other new ones on, I go, oh yeah, it's new. It's, you know, it's yeah. new, but... I don't know. Now I put the looser one on. I, I've I've been toying with because I've got I've got my head boots which have now done two seasons and I don't normally do two seasons in a boot, but COVID season wasn't as harsh on the boots as as it would normally be. So I'm about to go and ski in the head boots again, but I've also got a brand new pair of other boots that have sat there now for one and a half seasons, which I've used a handful of times, but they kill me feet. They're killing you. Yeah. So I either need to get something done to them or I just need to go and buy 
another pair of head, which would probably then be my fifth pair of head in succession, and make them as comfortable as possible. Well, maybe but Andy's going to have to be our test case, our piggy. Our <laughs> if someone <laughs> can get, pig. if someone can get me a comfortable boot that works, I'm there. But it's not. That's the problem. No one can get most people a comfortable boot that works because unless you have the foot that just happens to fit this batch of boots that are getting shipped through, I don't know how many thousands of boots they make of that model, mm-hmm. and your foot just happens to be right for that, or, or, or you know, within ten percent, it happens to be right for that then great but if you're Andy and it just happens not to be right for you then can you mold and manipulate it or is it a point of where you now have a boot that does not suit you because of something in the manufacturer's height of cuff angle of you know etc mm-hmm. now okay we we can ramp change the ramp angle we can push out we can do things but certainly from a toe box side there's not really too much you can do from the toe box in boots. You know, you either buy them. Some boots do. They sort of point. They sort of come to a point. Sort of sort of, square round. Yeah, 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 exa- yeah, exactly. And this will do to do with your toes. And you know, if if you get out of your boots and your your toes look, you know, all crossed over, and mm-hmm. that's not very good. I can guarantee that because. You know, I'll come back to things I know, like strength and conditioning. We, we we want this tripod of the foot. And I want to be able to plant my my foot, my big toe, my little toe and my heel down when I'm doing quick lifts or I'm doing some sort of deadlift or a squat or whatever it is. I need to have a tripod of the foot. Now, if that's if I get crushed together, I guarantee you my balance is now being challenged and my power is being challenged as well. And this is the problem with the footbed. I think the footbed is creating less stability for many people and less access to torque um, through the levers. And when I talk about levers and physics and, you know, fulcrum points, it'll make more sense when we, we do this with a boot. So the answer is, is what do we do? Because I think you've said before is this really relevant to everybody though? Because if you've got a six-day ski holiday, is mm-hmm. this ever going to solve itself in the next decade? Possibly not. Because look at you, you ski six months of the year and you haven't solved it. No. Because no. it's not an easy thing but, to solve. But then, um, it hasn't been able to be solved, but is that because it's not been looked at from the angle that you're looking at it from? And maybe... If we did take out my footbed and we did look at these things that you're going to talk about in this video, would that solve my problem? We well, would think, only know if you tried. I think one thing you inadvertently, you've, you've said it already. You've identified that your two-year-old head boot just feels better, for mm-hmm. example, than this new one. And that is because 50 plus as you are, you need more room to pronate and supinate than you probably did before. And the issue is, is if you block that rolling, you block that pronation, you're you're at the mercy. Your knee becomes at the mercy in the hip of what's happening at your ankle joint. And that means, you know, where you, in your case with your injured legs, etc., especially with your knee, you're going to add force to that knee mm-hmm. if you don't sort that issue out. So Look, everybody says it, you know, you ski with your feet, you ski with your feet, you hear all coaches, oh, you know, it's feet first, feet first, etc. And I could argue some of the points to that, actually. But, but okay, we'll stick with the general ski rule, ski with the feet. Now, if that's the case, and your feet are blocked 
which I guarantee then 90% of people are. Then you can't ski with your feet. You can't ski with your feet. You yeah. cannot. What you're doing is you're initiating a movement, but you cannot. You're initiating what, what I would call a macro movement. You don't have the ability to make micro movements in your feet anymore because it's blocked. Your knee has to do it and your hip has to pick up that slack. So, you know, this podcast has drifted a bit into can we find in boot fitters and that will accommodate you and I we were off camera discussing this earlier and saying well actually it's probably because a boot fitters are pushed for time mm-hmm. secondly they'll, they'll favor like ski instructors do come on ski instructors want to favor good groups skiing down off piste and doing this that the other they don't want to be teaching the beginners that much sorry you know but that's just the truth behind it so boot fitters they don't want to be dealing with you with your fat calves or you with your bony you know bunny and sticking out your toe no no but they're happy to deal with marcel here chevy comes through the door and go oh you know i've got a bit of pain here it's interesting to them to yeah. deal with racers to deal with active dynamic skiers but as you as a recreational skier that has no authority in that shop really do you think that shop's really going to spend hour after hour after hour manipulating your boot day after day as you work your way through the problems when that you paid 350 euros for a boot no. not gonna happen is it it's not you know so this is the problem and i'm sorry to get that boot to fit that's what it would take it would take you to go away try something mm, that did, that's that's working okay i can feel i need to now do this okay but believe me and i i have to call i mean you tell me your opinion andy what do you think about heated liners, vacuum, moulded, foam injected, cork? What's your opinion? I think there is a certain amount of gimmickry to the industry, whether it be boots or skis. Right. And they have to keep bringing us new things to get our hard-earned cash. Like air-conditioned boots. Yeah. Well, mine don't say my, my boots are from heated. Um, and... <laughs> Yeah, I think I think but boots boots are slightly different to skis. That I think I see the only change in boots really over the last few years is they just keep talking about they've changed the plastic, they've changed the plastic, because they've found a better formula. And I suppose if they're continually formulating new plastics, the plastic can become more robust. It doesn't get. Uh, um, How many people have broken a pair of boots as a recreational skier? Do you think? I don't get me wrong. I know our team break boots the, the the split them because the plastics were different I, I wouldn't say i wouldn't think recreational skiers are breaking boots but possibly the boots are breaking because they're made of cheaper plastic right. um where the more expensive race boots can be broken and that's to do with the skier putting a lot more force and pressure i've the, never seen a recreational skier come to me you know one of my clients and go oh my my, my boots split oh my i've never had that I mean, linings wear out, yeah. and sometimes they wear out quick. And if they wear out quick, there's a good sign that that boot wasn't fitted Yeah, because your foot's been moving your around too being, much. Well, probably your foot's, yeah, it's grinding up against something. Yeah. It shouldn't be. So in general, when, when somebody is buying a boot, they would hope if they are skiing six days a year, 12 days, 18 days, or even 24 days, and then these people probably do buy boots, I would strongly suggest... Stop buying boots every year. You've only had it 24 days. Yeah. It should last you four to five to six seasons at 24 days a year. What you need to do is get a boot that is going to be correct for your foot and then stop buying boots. Because a bit like a runner who, who finds a pair of running shoes that work for him, what do they do? They instantly buy three or four pairs. 
They'll just mm. go, I'll buy three pairs of them, bump, and they put them in the cupboard and they just rotate them round. That should be the same from a ski boot. If it works for you, then why change? Like, I wouldn't be, not especially not as a recreational skier, you know, and when I say recreational, four or five weeks is still recreational skier, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Don't get sucked into it um, and watch out for that um, series when we do get down to talking more about uh, boots and Andy's problems and stuff like that. Um, so we've now covered all the equipment. We've done a bit of that, that, that started about renting of skis and boots. And just to take it back to that, yep. obviously what Paul's just spoke about boots and boot fitting and the problems. Again, if you're buying, if you're renting a boot from a shop that's only got that one boot, you're then, then you, you, you're buggered, yeah. <laughs> Go somewhere where they can change them. Because as you've just learned, ski boots are very hard to get fitted right. And a rental boot, the more times you can change that rental boot, the chance you're going to get something comfy for your six-day holiday. And then if you're going to buy boots, yeah. what, what you just said. And don't forget, comfy does not mean ample space. I'm not, when I say space, and you know, Andy's boot's a bit older, it's got wiggle room. That's wiggle room. I'm not talking about <laughs> making his boot a welly um, because, yeah, that's the trouble with comfortable in people's eyes. And, of course, that will not be comfortable when you start putting yeah. force through it. Exactly. Good stuff. Well, there you are. We've done another part of that series and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Bye for now.